Welcome to Launch It Girl, where business coach, marketing strategist, and ex-corporate leader, Kenzie Mackis, will show you how to launch, market, and scale a business and brand that feels authentically you, leveraging her proven framework for getting known, seen, and heard online so that you can overcome perfectionism, feelings of imposter syndrome and confusion, and finally launch yourself into a life full of abundance and freedom. Welcome back to another episode of Launch It Girl. I am so excited to be here with you guys. I have a really fun guest with me today, and we're just chatting before we went live here. We're just kind of like passing back and forth as far as like how we wanted this session to go. And I think you're going to really love this because there's some overlap and I think just really good synergy. So Luis Baez is a business strategist and sales trainer, and I am so excited for you to be here today. Why don't you Thank introduce you yourself? Thank you so much. Thank you so very much, my friend. I, first of all, appreciate that your show exists in the first place. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And, and thank you for allowing me this opportunity to connect with your audience. You summed it up. I'm a business strategist and a sales trainer. I'm someone that has 14 plus years of a sales background in corporate and business to business, being an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley for several years. I then stepped out and became an online entrepreneur. And I've been focused on helping women-owned business, BIPOCO business, and LGBTQ-owned businesses as well. Just making sure that everyone has all the support that they need to see the success they deserve. Awesome. Well, thank you for that introduction. Obviously, I want to unpack a little bit of that. You kind of skimmed over the surface of, you know, transitioning from corporate to entrepreneurship. And of course, I want to know more about that. So tell me your your stint in corporate and then what was the moment or moments that led to you transitioning to entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So I got my start in sales on the advertising side of the world in New York City, where I grew up. And that was an amazing experience. And I had a great run, but I was in the industry at a time where things were really bubbling up in Silicon Valley. And I wanted a piece of the action. I wanted to be in the center of it all. And I wanted to be one of those folks that worked at a really cushy company and had dogs in the workplace and free lunches and all that jazz. And so I made the leap from NYC to California on a whim, no job, no car, no network. I knew a handful of people and tell me if you've heard the story before, because I feel like everyone who makes the move from East to West has a similar sort of like aspiration. And six months into my time in California, I was recruited by LinkedIn. And I had an experience where even though I was with the company that had been around for a while, I was working on a new line of business. So in many aspects, I was an entrepreneur building a new business within a business. And that carried with me throughout my career. And I reached a point when I finally got that like dream job at Google. And I realized that I was surrounded by really smart people who were way ahead of me in line because they'd been with the company for a while. So I kind of was... I guess a bit turned off because up until then I worked in these sort of startup environments where I grew very quickly with the team and I didn't like this idea of like being in a lane for too long. And so I ended up getting my sort of like intellectual rocks off outside of my job on the side because the reputation, the word had gotten out that I leveraged platforms like LinkedIn to book speaking opportunities and consulting opportunities on the side and new jobs and things like that. And so 
people started approaching me about how do you leverage the platform to see results for themselves. And then that started to bring up questions of like, wait, how do you manage to run a business on the side while you're still doing this full-time thing? And so that's what led me down this path. I was sort of an accidental entrepreneur and I am thankful that actually this all happened because it put me in a position to sort of have the financial flexibility and freedom to, when I needed to, walk away from jobs where I just didn't feel like there was alignment or I was happy or respected. I didn't feel so stuck. So, you know, it was a welcome accident. <laughs> yeah, so good. It's funny because I think I hear that a lot, like accidental entrepreneur, and I can relate to that. Like, I think some people have the stories of when they were like trying to make money when they were like toddlers or, you know, <laughs> seven, eight, nine-year-olds. I never really had that. I think we all sort of stumble upon where we're at and it was never really what we imagined it to be. It's mm -hmm. so much more beautiful, but yet different than what we planned, which I yeah. love. I know I have a lot of listeners that are juggling corporate full-time job with their business. And mm -hmm. I remember that time period, it feels like decades ago, but it wasn't that long ago <laughs> for me even, but I just, I remember it being really messy because it is, you're like, especially as a mom, like juggling all the things at home, then you have a full-time job. And also you're trying to build your business to the point where you can feel confident in walking away. What was your experience like when you were in the middle of, you know, juggling a side job and like a full-time job, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think it was, gosh, probably the, the most exciting time, I feel like, because number one, I'm sitting with my business and it's like my baby, right? Like my intellectual baby, I'm nursing it, all these ideas are coming through, all this clarity, I'm testing and validating offers and processes and things like that. So I enjoyed that time, but I think it also was super humbling because, you know, I was someone that uh, was conditioned to leverage resources at my job to get things done, ask for help, enlist other departments, other team members, and, you know, collaborate in the cross functional way to get things done. And I brought that approach to my business. And I am the first person to advocate that, you know, the, especially in context of the US, I think we think of entrepreneurship as this like really like, you know, this, this, this thing that you do on your own, you build everything yourself, the pressure and the weight is on you. And I think it's really important to remember that, you know, entrepreneurship is also about generating jobs and opportunities for other people. And you do that by enlisting people's help as you're growing and investing in the business. And so I think that the way that I was able to kind of juggle everything while doing the full-time thing was number one, I had parameters around like, these are my office hours in my business. And I negotiated that not only with my workload, but also at home is I had to make sure that, you know, family, friends, everybody understood like Saturday mornings, everyone's watching cartoons, but I'm head down on the laptop because I've got a deliverable for, you know, this contract that I've got on the side. Um, and I had to really bring that kind of work ethic in, but also not be afraid to admit like, yes, could I do copywriting? Of course. Could I do web design? Yeah. Could I do the social media thing? Yes. Can I do all them at once? Absolutely not. And that doesn't make me less than or inferior, or it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be successful, right? I had to really get off the struggle bus and come chill at delegation station and, and really get help and enlist people's expertise, copywriters, designers, and everyone else to help me with those things that otherwise would have really delayed me and delivering results for people. 
So good. This is really divine timing because <laughs> I was just having a conversation with someone the other day and, and they, they asked me like, how do you feel like you scaled so quickly? And even the beginning of your business, you were still working full time. And it, my first answer was like, I enlisted help right away. I think a lot of entrepreneurs will wait until, right. It's like, well, when I'm making this much money or when I, you know, scaled, you know, whatever, but to your point, if you are especially juggling more than just your business, like it is so important to call on people to help you. And, you know, whether that's a part-time VA or like you said, other experts that can come in and do things for you. So I'm so glad you said that. I think too, this idea of short-term sacrifices for a long-term gain, I can resonate with your story about like, everybody's like hanging out on Saturday morning and <laughs> you're working, right? But yeah. it is sort of, again, if you think about it in big picture view, if, you know, sa again, like small sacrifices, you know, maybe it's later nights, earlier mornings, weekend time, whatever that looks like, but knowing that it's not going to be like that forever. And it's really just like that messy middle phase that requires a little bit more of you. Absolutely. Yeah, there is a moment where, yes, you do start to step aside and things start to be, you know, so messy as you enlist more and more help. But sometimes you've got to duplicate yourself somehow, clone yourself to get faster, you know, at results, to get faster in implementing systems. And also just to kind of buy yourself time. I think that's the most important thing is the level of work required, the level of thoughtfulness, the brainstorming, that attention to detail, that passion, right? That can't come through in your work when you're running on, you know, an empty tank. And the ways that you fill that tank is like, yeah, we can talk about self-care all day, but time, 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 time. You need time for that self-care. <laughs> you need time to be with family. You need time to go to doctor's visits, time. And the way that you get that time back is by enlisting support. One of the things that I really struggle or help my clients, you know, who are grappling with this is like a lot of them are very purpose driven, passion driven, and, and they want to do business and in, within high integrity, with total authenticity. And they just have this notion or this concept of like, I've got to do things myself. It's got to be written by me. It's got to be my voice, my tone, etc. Or somehow like I'm cheating. I'm not being authentic. I'm not showing up with integrity. It's like, no, 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 my friend, like the sooner you get things done the sooner you can show up and serve more people and just stay in your zone of genius and be able to deliver on all those things that you want to all those promises all that impact so good oh my gosh so good we could totally jam out on that forever but i want to shift gears <laughs> a little bit here because yeah. i love i've been talking about sales a lot and your specialty mm -hmm. really is this idea of selling high ticket offers too yeah. and you know i loved talking about high ticket offers and I do believe it's like the quickest way to, you know, double your sales and, and, and impact more people. Tell me about really like your sales process, what you teach and, and really what we should know as listeners, especially if we have coaches, consultants, service-based entrepreneurs that are really starting to feel that momentum, but they're not filling their sales pipeline, if you will. Tell us more mm -hmm. about that. 
Absolutely. I like to think of sales as really just at the end of the day, relationship building. I like to remove the word sales from the process if possible, because I really believe that when you've done your due diligence relative to your marketing and the way that you engage with people, then the sales, quote unquote, becomes really seamless. And you're in a position instead to advise someone on the best path to take to see the result that they desire. And that's a very different conversation than like, look at this benefits and features. If you sign now, you know, you can save this and this will never, you know, the price will never be the same again, blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of tactics. Those are the things that get people into a zone of like total in, you know, inauthenticity. They lose face, they're sweating bullets on the Zoom, you know, and they're really not seeing the results that they deserve ultimately, right? So the way that I like to think about the, the process of relationship building, it is a process, right? I think of building a business or growing a business as uh, akin to preparing a lasagna. I love cooking. And in the pandemic, I've looked for every opportunity to get away from screens, get away from the phone. So I jam out in the kitchen, I get my hands dirty, I play music and I just, I get in the zone and, and I make lasagna. And I often reflect on like lasagna in business because you're working on these different ingredients, right? And they all need to be prepared individually. And then you've got to layer them in the pan in a very specific order. And then you got to put them in the oven for a very specific temperature and amount of time. And if you try to crank up that temperature, you end up burning the lasagna, ruining the meal, right? And I think that's what happens a lot of times with online business owners is they get the website going, they got the email sequence built, you know, they've got all these layers of all the ingredients in the pan, so to speak. And then they want to turn up the temperature relative to sales, right? They want to just like crank things up. They want to see these revenues hit as soon as possible. They invested so much in their training, their coaching, their web design, et cetera. They want to see that return on investment, but they forget that there's a process to building relationships with people. And this is why we want to make sure that relative to your process, we're syncing and connecting all those marketing efforts with all of your sales and selling efforts. I think that's the disconnect is that people get the automations going, they get the sequences, they get the tech, the tools, the pretty looking graphics, etc. But then there's no connectivity or no pass off between how they're building and engaging these relationships online with people and then pulling them through to a process where you can arrive at that consultation where you say, well, based on what you've shared with me, I think these are probably the best paths for you to take. Right. Yeah. And so the, the framework or the process that I like to teach is the four eyes of relationship building. You want to begin by impressing. You then inspire. That sets you up to influence. And when you have done those three things successfully, you can then move the conversation into an invitation, mm -hmm. an invitation to consider a collaboration with you or consider your products or services. Wow. So cool. Okay. I love this. First of all, this idea of syncing marketing and sales and like that process is so again, timely. It was just ugh, writing some content about this. And I think so often entrepreneurs have the marketing strategy over here and then like their offers and it's like market, 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 and then, hmm. you know, sell my offer. And like you said, no synchronization or overlap or connection between those two. And so I love how you describe yeah. that. And it's funny because 
I think when we are working on things like our website and our sequences and our lead magnet and our funnels, I think it's a combination of people thinking they need all those things to be successful, but also like a distraction to actually having real life conversations and building those relationships and inviting people to your, you know, programs and services. So I love that you said that. I would actually substitute the word distraction with aversion. Mm. I think people want to avoid sales. No one likes selling. No one likes being pushy. No one wants to be that person, you know, and we have this like real negative association with salespersonship, you know, and, and as in general, we think about, you know, the sleazy, you know, car salesperson, or we think about the person, you know, at an electronic store who's like trying to push product that you don't even need, right? And, and insurance upgrades and warranties that you, you don't even want, right? And, and that's what people want to avoid. They don't want to be that person. Again, I talk to people who are really passionate about what they do they're purpose-driven and that is at odds with this notion of being you know this hyper aggressive kind of sales person hyper capitalistic kind of person right I often when I talk about what it means to sell high ticket when you think about any expensive item you would ever purchase right let's say a car you would never think about buying a car if you showed up on a lot and no one ever spoke to you. No one offered you a test drive, right? You just had to like look at a car on the outside and say, oh, that one's pretty, that one's blue. That's my favorite color. These rims are dope. I'm here for this, right? Like you would never throw down $30,000 plus without having human contact. And so when we think about coaching and online programs at a higher tier, we can't hide behind automations and algorithms and you know all the email sequences and things like that. We've got to show face. We've got to show up for people. We've got to connect with them and invite them to have conversations with us. And that aversion, I think, comes from this notion or or this limited kind of belief that you know there's only one way of doing sales. And I invite people to do sales on your own terms, show up as your whole self. And if you carefully design a process for people from that Instagram post or that email, or that podcast interview, all the way through to signing on with you, if you carefully design that process and thoughtfully do so, then your relationship with your business starts to change. You start to fall in love with it all over again. And you stop living with that anxiety about seeing returns on your investment. So good. I love that. When we think about this aversion to sales, like, you know, we're just like creating content or doing all the shiny things. And like you said, it creates that anxiety of like, why I'm creating this thing to get a client or or people need to see this in order to trust, you know, like, and trust me. But what you just said was so beautiful. Cause it's like, what if you got so obsessed with the journey a cold lead to a hot buyer. You got so obsessed with that journey that you're taking people through. Like you just become so fired up about it. Like that is so, that is so incredible. What a huge mindset shift. I love it. When we think about impressing, inspire, influence, and invitation, can you give a tangible example for our listeners of what that looks like for each step, like specifically what that might look like? Absolutely. Uh, And I thank you for asking. So let's start at the top. Let's think about what it means to impress. And let's think about doing business in terms of dating, right? You're going to make sure that you are presentable, look good, smell good, etc. when you show up for a date. And so we want to think about the way that we show up for customers. And when we show up in the marketplace, we want to be ready and prepared for the occasion. And that's really important. And we want to think about how do we in a very noisy place and in a very sleazy sort of way that people engage with one another, how do we stand out? 
how do we really start to you know move the needle in our favor so one of the things that i like to really encourage relative to how do you impress audiences online it's about your contribution to conversations and your willingness to be transparent and your willingness to share your ideas or your processes so i think of opportunities for you know the everyday entrepreneur online business owner jumping into facebook groups being that person who very openly shares answers questions connects people within the group makes referrals for different services and tools and things, you just become regarded as a person who is trustworthy. That in and of itself is an amazing way to start impressing audiences and doing it consistently, showing up in that group weekly, daily, until you're just known for being that go-to person who has the answers to these things in that group. Likewise, if your thing is or your jam is Instagram, that's about jumping into comments, engaging in people's stories and polls and things like that, engaging with their audiences and and being that go to person that, you know, when you comment, people look forward to it and they're giving you hearts. That's the person you want to become in that sort of context. And then, of course, thinking about contributing to blogs and speaking on podcasts and getting on different stages on, you know, Clubhouse and things like that. You know, what is your opportunity and to not be pitchy? you know not to get up and say my link is and you can sign up for and you can you know instead of name dropping and credential dropping what if you just entered the conversation with a solution and an answer and you impress people with your value versus your title <laughs> right so that's what i mean by impressing there are different you know avenues you can pursue but it's about how you show up with the intention of contributing to the conversation that impresses everyone as opposed to being show-offy and name droppy does that make sense so good i love that that's super helpful thank you <laughs> absolutely and then when i think about what it means to inspire that's about your your content, right? We're always engaging in the creation of content within our own wheels, right? So when I talk about impressing, I'm talking about, you know, stepping in other people's spaces and platforms and Facebook groups, but then bringing it back to your sort of gravitational pull and your orbit. When we're talking about inspiring your audiences, that's about your content, whether it's, you know, your weekly lives on your social media channels, making sure that you're showing up consistently, demonstrating, you know, what you do, doing Q&As, doing hot seats with clients, inviting guest speakers and things of that nature that help you flex your authority and your relationships in your industry. Thinking about also the other ways you can inspire through your master classes and webinars and things that you might offer or any other sort of like opt-ins. Those are other ways that you can start to impress people, right? You've put the word out across all these channels, impressing people. You're pulling them into your gravitational pull. You've earned, you know, that opportunity to introduce your opt-ins and start to earn those leads, right? So that's where you start to bring in the relationship and that's where you can start to really personalize things. This is where we move from inspiring to influencing folks because once they're in your gravitational pull then you've got your weekly emails that are going out you're engaging with them more personally in that inbox you're continuing to create weekly content maybe you're doing a podcast <laughs> or maybe you contribute you know you you create videos every week on youtube whatever it is that you create on a weekly basis delivering that for your audience and keeping them engaged and that starts to develop influence right they've gone from not knowing you to signing up for your email list newsletter opt-in to now paying closer attention to what it is that you're saying, doing, offering, and, and the ways that you're showing up for this audience. 
that also in terms of influence, you know, you want to start thinking about your direct engagement with this audience. We live now in a world where these more personalized touches are becoming more and more important. People don't want to do business with, you know, soulless, lifeless, you know, sort of brands, no personality, no access to real people when you've got questions, right? And so when we think about, you know, the, the sort of like on, online entrepreneur space, we've got to become more willing to show face and, and to be more available, not be hiding behind automations and paywalls and things. And so one of the tools that I use in my business and I recommend to everyone, and I'm not an affiliate, I'm just evangelizing this because it's driven so many results for me and my clients, video ask. So, you know, this is an opportunity to record a video and within that video, you can set up different sort of engagement buttons, whether you want that person to record a video to respond to you, record audio to respond to you, they can select multiple choice questions, right? And you have an opportunity to go above and beyond anyone else with their, you know, sort of, you know, dry automations, plain looking emails, generic looking experiences that people see over and over again. And you now stand out with personality, with voice and the, you know, direct sort of engagement. So I like to tell folks like the best way that you can influence people because you've gone through a lot of work contributing content, you know, impressing and inspiring people when it's time to to influence, you want to make sure that when people sign up for your masterclass, when they opt into your, you know, PDF, ebook, etc., hit them with a personalized message. Mm -hmm. Hey, Kinsey, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate your interest in today's masterclass. I know that there's a lot of information and maybe there's something I haven't covered for you in this masterclass. If there's anything that I can answer for you, use one of the buttons on the screen to reply to me right now, and I'll be sure to get you what you need. That is a step above and beyond what any other brand is doing, hiding behind an automation, not showing face, not humanizing the process. And to you as an entrepreneur, it is one minute of your time. One, one minute of your time to earn that customer for life. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. so good. And I think to your point, this idea of personalization, I think when people get into the online space, we think like the masses, like, oh, I can... Mm -hmm. I can create content and all my followers, all my fans will see it. And so it's, yeah, the hiding behind the screen. But I think now more than ever, especially after where we've been the last year, people crave that connection. And actually, I think the one-to-one -one interactions will be the thing that scale your business. It's not how big your audience is or how big your followers are it's really the one-to-one -one. and I've yeah. noticed that in my own business and I know that is working for my clients' businesses. And so I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, I think it's the thing that folks are not willing to do. Again, we go back to that word aversion. People have this aversion to, to selling or looking sleazy, looking pushy, you know, worrying about what they look like on camera, right? Like they're not thinking about their customer in that moment. They're not thinking about helping that person who's like out here looking for someone trustworthy to help them solve a problem. They're just way too fixated on, on themselves. And they've got to think about what does it mean to, to show up, right? And to show face and to be be a relatable brand and person and business owner. And I also invite people to think about like when we're playing the high ticket game, it is low volume. Mm 
One of the things that really put me on this course was I had a conversation with someone. This was someone who was a VP at a tech company, you know, had been in the industry for years and was looking for, you know, how can I make this sort of like lifestyle, you know, balance happen without totally compromising on the income then, that I've now been able to generate. And she literally said to me, she said, Luis, you know, if this online thing is like so doable and so scalable, then prove it to me. Like, I want to go from working 40 plus hours a week to 40 hours a month. What does that look like? How does that come together? I was like, great, challenge accepted. So she was interested in pursuing life coaching and leadership coaching. So let's think about what it means to design a high ticket package. What would your life look like if you charge no less than $1,500 per month per client? all in full access, full service, full support, bells and whistles, you know, of industry leading sort of experience for them that would not leave anyone flinching at that price. And then let's think about designing your lifestyle. How much time does it take to onboard, find a client, build that relationship, onboard that client, service, you know, the client for the month, and then wrap them up and pursue a renewal at the end of that month, right? All in, we estimated it's about 10 hours of this person's time to get it done. And so when we think about like, how do we design a 40 hour work month, 10 hours per client, that means you can take on a client load of four clients per month at $1,500 per client. We're looking at monthly revenues of 6,000 or more if you decide to upsell, renew, et cetera, right? And, and that suddenly becomes a lot more manageable and doable and way less overwhelming than being fixated on your Instagram follower count. If you're focused on like each person coming in your door, having a personalized touch with you and your book always being filled with clients, no more than four, because you don't want more than that or, you know, more capacity than that. All of a sudden, folks start to realize like there is a way to align the numbers with the lifestyle and not compromise on either end. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I do think as entrepreneurs, we left a job or, you know, wanted to create more freedom in our lives. But what we find is a lot of entrepreneurs become slaves to their business and it's the hustle and the grind. And that's what I walked away from. And I promised myself I would never create that out of my own business. And so I do think it's really important to think about the lifestyle you want first and then fit the business model into that. So that was beautiful. You know, I think folks are, are you know, they want to love, they want to serve, they're passionate, they're purpose-driven. They want to be at an accessible price point and available to as many people as possible. And it's like, okay, great. You know, you will burn out if you're only charging 500 a month and you're on four sessions that month plus follow-up emails plus text messages, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like you've got to think about, you know, beyond that, your needs, the need to pay taxes, operational costs, et cetera. Like suddenly you're chipping away at that $500 per month. You're running on petrofumes, you're short on cash, and you start to build resentment for your client and for your own business. And then you start poking around on LinkedIn, seeing if anyone's hiring, doubting if, you know, you should be in business in the first place, right? So I think we've got to shift the way that we think about the value of our time, our energy, and how we show up for people. So important. Oh, I love that. So tell us about this last step, the invitation. Give us an example of what that might look like when we make that formal invitation, if you will, for people to hire us or, you know, opt into one of our programs or services. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when you are following through consistently with content and you're personalizing the way that you're engaging with people using a tool like Video Ask, I often, and I actually do this once a month with my own email list, once a month I drop a Video Ask instead of like a long form message or anything, just a simple video. And I invite people to ask me questions. I invite them to work on, on projects with me, collaborate. I take polls. You know, I include people in the process and in the journey and that opens up conversations to wait I've never thought about doing this for my audience can we have a conversation and see if this is something that's a fit for me that is a natural segue to then invite the person to what you know you would call like a discovery call a consultation a clarity call an interview however it fits into your process it's that initial conversation to confirm if there's alignment and our goals as service providers, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, whether we're doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching thing or we're selling online programs, we want to have a conversation with people who are interested in purchasing. We want as many conversations as possible. The more conversations we have, the more sales we see, the more revenues we see, the better the lifestyle and work harmony, right? And so that's what it takes. Again, the aversion is not showing up this way, but you want to invite people at this point. They've read your Facebook post, you know, that long form post that you might've shared in that group about, you know, your four part strategy to influencing audiences, right? And then they opted in for your, your masterclass, they learn from you, they've been opening your emails, engaging with you, you dropped an invitation to talk to you directly, that naturally led to a conversation with you. You do that on repeat, and the calendar is always full. But the thing is, and I'm going to be all the way transparent and all the way real, you've got to do the work first consistently then the calendar gets filled. I think people go through this process of like, check, 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 automation is done, check, 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 emails written, check, 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 everything posted. Why is my calendar not filled? People are not gonna just jump, again, dating terminology, they're not just gonna jump into you. They're still on appetizers, you know, they're not jumping to bed with you. They need a moment to get to know you. They're not in that, that, that space just yet, right? You've gotta allow people to go through this process of being impressed, being inspired, allowing themselves to be influenced by you before they're ready for that invitation. It is a process to relationship building. And I think that when folks are really, really pressed for cash, they, they, they become really concerned with like, I need a cash infusion right now. And that's, you know, that could be available to you if you blast out to your email list that you have one open slot for, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, et cetera, right? On a limited time sort of basis, you can make that sort of offer an introduction. But I think that you've got to be willing to pay some dues. And one of the things that I've done since going off on my own full-time, since leaving corporate and everything, I've actually worked. I've had side jobs outside of my full-time business to support my business. <laughs> I've needed like cash infusions for Facebook ads, cash infusions to hire copywriters, designers, etc. I am not above, you know, if I have like a full client roster, I can't take on anymore. I'm not above doing something on the side for a few hours. If that's what it takes, delivering food or whatever it might be. Again, that's one of the things that people just aren't willing to do. They're not willing to admit that success is messy and it's an up and down. Right. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes when I'm down to come right back up. And when I'm up, I enjoy that ride. <laughs> yeah. So good. I think the patience and, you know, it can be frustrating when you do all the things and you're not seeing the results right away. And then what I hear from, you know, my audience and my clients is it's not working. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, you'll never have enough 
quote unquote validation of whether something is working or not. It's just sort of trusting the process, being consistent, finding a rhythm that works for you. And it's like rinse and repeat. I think what mm -hmm. happens is when, like you said, you check all the boxes, your calendar's not full or you're not getting clients, you scrap it all. Right. And then it's like a new strategy, a new niche, a new program. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see entrepreneurs spin out is they're constantly pivoting because this idea of it's not working. Right. Because remember, building a business is like preparing a lasagna. You've got to let it sit in the oven. You've got to hold that temperature right where it is. And you, you just you, you know that if you just wait the 40 minutes, 45 minutes, it's going to be ready. If you try to rush it, you're going to ruin the lasagna. And I think that's where that's the, the place that every entrepreneur comes to. It's like, OK, I built the things, done the things, designed the things, made the calls, put it all out there. And they don't see that immediate rush of interest, but no one's going to come to you unless they've heard of you and been with you for a while. Back in my advertising days, one of the things that we used to advocate, you know, with our clients was like, it takes on average 12 engagements with a brand before someone converts into a customer. So they've got to see your ad multiple times. They've got to read the article about you in Forbes. They've got to, you know, play around on your website, consume some of your content, et cetera, before they're ready. And so you have to allow that process. Relationship building is a process. Leave the lasagna, my friend. I promise it'll be delicious if you just hold out. Yeah, so good. And for the record, I would burn the lasagna regardless. So <laughs> that's okay. But I understand the analogy. So thank you so much for that. Okay, sure. please. This was so fun. Such a good conversation. So many golden nuggets here. I think sales is necessary. People want to avoid it. We have bad stories about it, but at the end of the day, we're business owners. And if we want to help more people, we have to bring generate revenue. And how do we generate revenue? it's an effective sales strategy. So I thank you so much for bringing that with yeah. us and so many tangible nuggets that I know people can go implement today and really sit on in order to think about how they want their business to look this year. So thank you. Tell thank us you. where we can find you. Yeah, so I am going to encourage you, don't come looking for me on social media, because when it comes to learning sales and building that confidence, you can't do that when you're distracted by puppy videos and things like that. So come hang out with me on my website, luisbaez.com forward slash learn. I have a couple of complimentary resources to get you going with your sales. Cool. Oh, so good. Okay. We'll include the link in the show notes. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. What a gift to have you here today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again for creating this opportunity, creating the stage and platform for me to share my story. And thank you so much for opening your doors to me. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you liked what you heard today and want to continue the conversation, join us in the Facebook community. Just go to launchitgirlpodcast.com. Can't wait to see you in there.